0: Thank you for being here this morning. Excited that we are together again. Uh, I do want to say as we begin that I thought last week's message by uh, Nick Missios was excellent. I really enjoyed. Now, how many of you remember the that long word that he started talking about? Starts with an E, and you have to be careful you don't spit on somebody. Epistemology. How do you know that you know? And so we're dealing with the last verses in 1 John chapter 5. He's summing, summoning up, summarizing everything that he's been saying. And he's putting it together, if you would, in a nutshell. And to say, look, there are about six things that I want to make sure you know. And he covered three of them last week. I want to make sure you know these things. These are the facts proven by witnesses. First, by God, who is the witness, and then by earthly witnesses. And then, and we didn't go into all this, we can't cover everything, I suppose, if we did, we'd still be in verse 1 of chapter 1. The witness of the Holy Spirit in us. How many of us know that this gospel is the truth because of an internal witness of the Spirit? We know it's true. I remember when the Holy Spirit touched my life. The first thing that came out of my mouth, it's all true. Phyllis, the first thing that came out of my mouth, it's all true. And then everything else fell into place. Everything else. And so this morning we're continuing in what do we know? And so in verses 18, 19, and 20, John is going to list three more things. In verse 18, he says, we know. In verse 19, he says, we know. In verse 20, what does he say? We know. And so all we're going to do today, and this is not a surprise to you, is look at verse 18. And we're going to find that verse 18 is very much a a looking at what we already know. We've already studied these things. But it is critical for us to know that we know. Because when the enemy comes a-knocking, when the world slams up against us, when we begin to experience attacks, vilifications, when we begin to experience illness, reverses, financial problems, in other words, when we live life, it is going to be a challenge, most basically. What do I know? It's going to challenge that. How many of you have already know, witnessed that in your own life? That when you are opposed by the enemy through one of his ways, what is, the, what is that which keeps you going, keeps you afloat, keeps you stable? What is it? This is what I know. I know it. And in spite of everything to the contrary, I will not give in to any doubt. Why? Because I know this. Amen? God has proven himself to me over and over and over again throughout the years of my life. And I will not jump ship as a result of this issue. Are you with me this morning? So it's critical that we know these things. So let's... Get Moving on, Father, thank you so much. Father, thank you that John has written these things under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. I have written these things to you that you may know, that we may know that we have eternal life. And then, Father, in the previous verse, this life is in his Son. For he who has the Son has the life. And he who does not have the son does not have the life. Father, this morning as we go through this, anchor it even more deeply in our souls. This is what we know. Why? Because this is what you have done, what you have said. We know it because we know you. In Jesus' name, amen. So what are the facts? John is going to list in verse 18, three facts that we know, three facts. The first one, in the first part of verse 18, we know that no one who is born of God sins. No one who is born of God sins. Now, you don't have to raise your hand on this, but how many of you in this room who are born of God don't sin anymore? What's that? Debbie, what you, you're causing trouble over there, Debbie. Come on. And Bridget was trying to take a nap. Come on. How many of you who have been born again don't sin? What Does that mean, Pam, that we're not born again? Well, he says if you're born again, you don't sin. Isn't that what he says? But what's the key here? The key is making sure we know what tense it is in the Greek, because some of the English translations don't translate the Greek as well as they should. So what is he saying here? Whoever is, we know what? What do we know? First of all, what do we know? Whoever is born of God does not, what, continue to keep on sinning, sinning, sinning. In other words, those who are born of God, our lives taken as a whole, the whole thing, the characteristic that stands out in my life and in your life if you're born again is that as children of God, we are no longer dominated by, carried around by sinning, 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 sinning does that mean we don't sin so what John is not saying here he's not saying believers never sin he's not saying that he's saying that believers do sin but our lives are not characterized by sin now that's one of the very very important issues that we need to make sure that we understand not only in our lives but in the lives of others if we have a friend or a relative whose pattern of life basically is disobedience to God. Basically, it's disobedience. And remember the three-legged stool of doctrine. We can't say for sure that they are not children of God or not a child of God. But we can certainly question it. I had a particular couple in my office several years ago. And... He was wrong. And there was no ounce that I could see of any repentance. Why do I say that? Because you can see repentance. Did you know that? Can you see repentance? Are you with me? Are you awake this morning? Can we see repentance? Yes. We can see a broken heart over sin. We can see that. I didn't see anything. I I told him, I have to let you know this. As far as I can tell, I see no evidence at all that you are a believer. He insisted that he was. I just had to tell him. Warren, I didn't see any evidence in him. I have to be a faithful man to the word of God. And then let the Holy Spirit deal with him. He is saying that we should know that we have been given a new nature that is characterized by obedience. Why don't we continue to sin anymore? Because you see, our old nature as constituted in Adam, our old nature that we inherited from Adam, you remember when Adam sinned, what? Sin passed to the entire creation because where were we when Adam sinned? Where were we? In Adam. You see, the issue of our life In relation to how we live before God is not primarily what we do, but whose we are. Do you see that? It is our position that condemns us, or it is our position that declares our salvation. We sinned continually because we were in Adam. Sin was the fruit of a bad root. We weren't condemned because we sinned. We were condemned because we were where? In Adam. Therefore, we sinned. That means this. We did not sin our way into hell. We don't sin our way into hell. We're born under condemnation. And so we cannot obey our way out of Adam. This is the nature that we were born with, with which we were born. As you know, all of us know that we don't have to ask our little children or train our children to disobey us. Have you ever noticed that? That as soon as they can, they start, and then throwing fits and being upset. Have, Have we noticed that? Where does it come from? Why is anger and resentment and frustration and all of the... Why is it pandemic in everybody in the world? Why? Because all of us have inherited the same nature in Adam. And as a result of inheriting that nature, what? Romans 6.23. We sinned. The wages of sin is death. What is happening here is sin is demonstrating... That we are under the sentence of death. We have not been given the sentence of death because we sin. Because we were in Adam. We were given the sentence of death because everyone in Adam is under the penalty of death. Do we understand this. It's very important that we get freed of this thing that if I sin one time, maybe I'm not saved or maybe I'm going to be condemned. So when you see someone doing something, don't say to them, you know, if you do that, you're not going to heaven. Believers do it all the time. You know, using some of the issues of the world today. If you're a homosexual, you're not going to heaven. Is that true? Not necessarily. If you steal, you're not going to heaven. Is that true? Not necessarily. If you, whatever the activity is, does that mean you're going to uh, hell or heaven? No. It's the root that is producing this activity, which is the issue. And the root is in Adam under death. Sin is just the proof of it. I'm just proving to you that I'm under the curse of sin. We cannot change our nature. So how do we have our nature changed? How does our nature get changed? God must change our nature. Therefore, at the cross, God had to send his son to bear the full, final, and forever penalty for all our sin. If we were ever to be freed... Of the dominating, controlling power of Satan and sin, then we had to be freed from being in Adam, and we had to be transferred from the domain of darkness, which is ruled by Satan because of Adam's fall, and we had to be transferred into the kingdom of God's dear son. That's Colossians what? 113. We had to be freed. Notice this. We needed to be given a new nature. Do you agree with that? Yes. Yesterday I I did a funeral for a friend of mine, Buddy Mumphrey. You may remember Buddy Mumphrey. And I remember saying this. Asking the congregation as we shared about eternal life. Being in the sun or not being in the sun. I did not say. You need. To ask Jesus to save you. I didn't say that. You need. To ask for a new heart. You need to repent. I didn't say that. Why? Because all of that is as a consequence of receiving a new heart. We don't ask to receive a new heart. We are given a new heart so we can receive from God. Amen. Amen. We do not give our hearts to Jesus. He gives us a new heart which we receive from him. Amen. And so you can't say I need a new nature. I'm going to ask God for a new nature. Why? Because With the old heart, you're dead to all of your issues. You don't have the ability. I don't have the ability to ask God for anything concerning his glory. Did you just hear what I said? I didn't say don't ask God for anything. We don't have the ability to ask God for anything concerning his glory. We can't do it. Why? We're dead in sins ephesians one two i 'm sorry, two verse one we 're dead, so I just say this continually to us because i 'm wanting to disabuse us of the idea that when we 're sharing the gospel with someone, we have to tell them what they better do. Remember when Peter was sharing the gospel in Acts chapter two, remember the day of Pentecost, remember that. These guys were speaking in tongues and all that kind of stuff, and Peter said, "Hey, we're not drunk." And he started talking about the predetermined plan of God to send his son to the cross, whom you crucified. And when they heard this, what does the word said? And they were what? What, Steve? Can't hear you, brother. Prick to the heart. God touched their hearts and gave them a heart. to fear because of their sin and to desire to be free. Do you hear it? What do you do? Then Peter says what? Repent and be baptized. Do you remember that? So I want to disabuse us of the thought that when someone is hearing us share the gospel, we, we tell them what they need to do in order to be saved. No. When we share the gospel, as you're talking, take notice of them. Especially look at their eyes. Because you can see what God is doing in their souls if you look at their eyes. Are you with me? And Ask. As I'm sharing, what are you feeling on the inside, Julie? What's happening on the inside? How do you feel? Well, I'm, I'm realizing for the first time I, I'm a sinner. Not just I've been bad on my life, but all of a sudden I realize this is personal. I'm, I'm, I'm getting, you know, you, you can see what the Holy Spirit is doing. What is he doing? He's convicting them. Why? Because he has given them a heart to receive his convicting power. And when I ask those questions, if someone says to me, Christy, you say to me, I I don't know what to do. You know, you begin to say, give me a um, pretty good idea and you want to be saved. You're saying that. Then I say, receive Jesus because he's saving you. Receive him because he's forgiving you. Receiving, receiving. It's our receiving what God is giving us. Rather than asking for him to give us something. What kind of a present is it when you have to be asked to give? Right, sissy? This free gift of God is from him without us asking. But when he gives it, then we receive it. Do you see the difference? This free gift of God is without us asking, but when we receive it. When he gives it, we receive it. Therefore, we do call upon the name of the Lord. Why? From a new heart. And that calling is that receiving. So hopefully we see that. This means that God can forgive our sin because we were crucified with Christ. When Jesus died, where were we spiritually? In the mind of God, in the mind and in the economy of God, where did he see us when Jesus went to the cross? Where were we at that moment? What? What does Galatians say? What does Paul say? I have been crucified. crucified with Christ. Now, we know Paul wasn't put to the cross. A.J., you know that, right? So how can Paul say, I have been crucified with Christ? It is no longer I who live. For the life that I now live, I live by what? Faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20, know it. In the eternal counsel and decree of God. Not because he knew what would happen, but because he decreed it, therefore he knew it. Get it right. Certainly he knew, Annie, what you would do. The reason is he gave a Decree. He decreed your salvation. Therefore, he saw what you did. The emphasis is in what he did, seeing what he did, and seeing that, knowing that. Why? Because he chose us before the foundation of the world. Why? Because he loved us. Why? Because he loved us. But why? Why? Carrie, give me the answer. He loved us. Floyd, why did he love us? Because he loved us. Page, there ain't no other answer. Deuteronomy 7, 7 and 8. Do you remember, Israel? Hey, you're a little group, group of people. I decided to love you because I love you. What kind of logic is that? I mean, who, who debates like that, Steve? It doesn't make sense. Josh, it doesn't make sense. And that's why I know it's God. Because once it starts making human sense, a human put it together. But divine sense doesn't make any sense to us. Are you with me? Until we're saved, and now all of a sudden, what? Well, now I see it. This is what it's all about. This is what it's about clarity. The fog is gone, the veil has been removed. There's no more darkness in the room. I see it now. Celeste, why did God save you? I can't hear you, girl. He loved you. Why did he love you, girl? He loved you. Bridget, why did God love you? Let's stop trying to analyze and figure it out and make it logical. Amen? Let's just stop where God stops. So he saw us in Christ. He put us in Christ according to his eternal will. So that everyone who was in Christ in the cross was forgiven. And everyone who was not in Christ at the cross was not forgiven. God's will. Now, some of you may say that's not fair. God wouldn't do that. God's going to give us each a free will to make our own determination. First of all, the word free will is not in the New Testament. It's in the Old Testament and all it has to do with the word free will, it every time, every time go look it up, it has to do with offerings, free will offerings. Well, do we have a free will to ask God to save us before we save? No. We can't. We're dead. We're dead. Well, that doesn't seem fair. It seems to me that we should be able to ask. Why? Because they're trying to rescue God from what seems, according to natural logic, what is not loving. It sounds loving if we give somebody the choice. So, you with me? But in the final analysis, it's the same thing. God chose us to be saved. Among all the peoples. Or he gave us a free will and we, some kind of way, desire to be saved. Of course, you had to push it back. And why did you even desire? Well, I don't know. I just desired. Well, why don't you analyze what that desire was all about, where it came from, Wendy? But you desired. So you called upon God. And you think that releases him from any culpability of injustice. Could he have decided not to, to create those who would not call upon him. Are you with me? He knew it. No matter how you get around it. At the end of the day, God's sovereign justice stands in, contra, in contradiction to what we think. Right? So as a result of how having been saved... Colossians, 2 Corinthians five seventeen. This is a verse you should know. Because of that, why do I not sin anymore? Why don't I sin anymore? Continually, regularly. Colossians two seventeen. I'm sorry. Second Corinthians two seventeen. Sorry. I'll do it one more time. Second Corinthians five seventeen. Well, it takes me a little while sometimes. <laughs> All of you know Lauren over there, right? Second Corinthians 5, 17. What does it say? Somebody tell me what it says. If anyone is in Christ, are you in Christ today? Yes or no? Then we are what? New creations. Behold what? The old what? The old nature. The old nature. The old nature. Being in Adam. The old nature what? Has been done away with, has passed away. And what? All things have become new or the new nature has come. However, the translation says that tells you right there of what has happened. And because of that, I now have the very nature of Jesus himself living in me by the person and power of the Holy Spirit. Now, for the first time, having been saved, I now have a free will. To be able to decide whether or not to sin. Before you were saved, you had no ability but to sin. Now, I know how it is. Think of the thing that you were tempted to do before you were saved. Now, how many of us were tempted to do something wrong before we were saved? And how many of us didn't do it? We decided not to do it. Come on, come on. Wait, wait, there are only three of you who never decided to do something wrong before you were saved? How many of us decided not to do something wrong, whatever it is, before you were saved? Are you with me? You know, you're going to say a nasty something to somebody and say, no, I better not do that. You're going to cheat on the test and no, I better not, right? How many of you done that? did that before you were saved? Was that decision a decision of righteousness? No, it was a decision couched in sin Because it wasn't generated by and for the Holy Spirit for the purpose of glorifying God. It was just a moving around, if you would, of the dirt, putting it under the carpet this time rather than in the other room. You just picked it up from one room and you went to the other room and you put it in the other room. It was as sinful a decision as anything else you ever did. Now, culturally, it may have been good. But as far as God is concerned, what? It was hay, wooden stubble. It was filthy rags. Remember that? All of our righteousness. So why don't we sin anymore? Continually? Without, you know, whatever? Because we have a new power in us. What does Paul say in Philippians 2.13? It is God who is at work in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. To will and to work according to his good pleasure. It's God who is at work in us. The second fact, Now, I think I can move along okay. But he who was born of God keeps him. Do you see the translation there? It's somewhat of a fuzzy translation, but it could go a couple of different ways. But we think this is the best one. He who is born of God keeps him. Now, what does that mean? Who was born of God here? Whom is he he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. Remember what he said in chapter 5, 1? He says Christ is born of God. He's referencing Christ. What is he saying here? When we are saved, we are put into Christ or actually in a time frame, But we were in Christ before the foundation of the world. You see, it's a double thing here. We came to realize on a particular time. And in Christ, we are now kept by him. What does that mean? Kept what? Kept safe. Kept in a way that the enemy and the world will not destroy any believer. Now, interestingly... I'll be speaking next Sunday morning at church and the verses that I'm covering in John 17, 11 through 16, talked about Jesus keeping and guarding us. So if you think you've heard this before next week, you really have. It is so important that we know that our security is from Jesus who keeps us in the Father's hand. How many of us, and I know how it is. I still have to battle it occasionally. How many of us still feel, maybe just a little bit, that that particular sin may oust us from heaven? Anybody ever had that thought? Now that I'm saved, is there a chance that I won't be saved until the end? You ever had those thoughts? Am I going to be saved to the end? Well, it depends on where or what you know. If you believe that you became saved because a decision of your own will. See, this is where it goes bad. I I decided to call on Jesus. Then if you decided to call on Jesus in order to be saved, rather than being saved, you called upon him. You say, I decided to call on Jesus in order to be saved, A.J. If that's where it is, it is a very good chance that I can undecide. Are you following me? Because if being saved was dependent upon my decision, that's why I don't like this thing, make a decision for Christ. Where do you see that? Make a decision for Christ. <laughs> After you're saved, you can make a decision for Christ. But before, you can't do it. And so if I decided and made a decision to receive Christ, precipitating the work of Holy Spirit in me, you see, then maybe I can decide to not Continue. I am not getting into heaven because of what I've done. And I'm not getting out of heaven because of what I've done. My security is not in me. It's in him who ever represents us before the throne of God. What verse in Hebrews did I just talk about? I'll give you a hint. Chapter 7 somewhere. Some of you may see it in verse 25, I don't know. We have, we have an advocate, remember in 1 John? Whoever makes intercession for us in Hebrews 7, 25, we are maintained by his enduring life. As long, I've said this before, as long, and I'll repeat it again, as long, one more time I'll say it, as long as there is this risen Exalted, ruling, and returning man in the throne of God. We are in him. As long as he is there in the throne of God, we are maintained in and by his eternal life before God. Amen? We are there kept before God, not because of anything about us. We are kept in him. By the will of God the Father, having purchased by the Son, and being maintained by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? See, Jesus keeps us. Now, there are means which he uses to keep us, certainly. He works in us obedience. He works in us repentance. He works in us all this work. But these these are not what keeps us in Christ. What keeps us in Christ is Jesus himself before the throne of God forever. Amen? Now, please get this straight, because you have no security, if it's anywhere else, except in the enduring eternal life of this man who sits in the heavens forever, this heavenly man, this son of man. Remember what Jesus said in John ten twenty nine. My Father, who has given us the saved people, the sheep, who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. So listen to this bold, audacious proclamation in Jude. Now to him. To who? To whom? Jesus. Now to him. Remember to keep. Who is what? Able to do what? Come on, come on, wake up. Now to him who is able to do, is it in your notes? Now to him who is able to do what? Keep us from stumbling. And to make you stand. What? To what? Make you stand. Ensure that you will stand in the presence of his glory, blameless and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory. Majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now, and forevermore. You see, we have been given the victory in Christ our Lord. We didn't earn it. It was given to us. We have the victory in Christ. We didn't earn it. What? What? It was given to us. Why insist on these things? First of all, because this is what God has insisted on in our salvation. And secondly, we have to know for sure these salient basic facts about our God and about our relationship with him and what he has done in us and for us and is doing through us in Christ by the Spirit. We have to be sure. We have to know. So that when our ship of state gets rocked by the winds and waves of sin and the world and Satan, we're not going to be thrown overboard. You may be going through a tempest right now. But there is a captain who oversees the ship. And your ship and my ship, oh, we may get roughly handled and we may get battered about and we may get damaged and scarred and hurt, right? But this ship ain't sinking. It's getting to the other side. Remember that? It's getting to the other side. Why? Because Jesus said it would. And if he doesn't, if he even loses one, the whole thing's a lie. Even if he loses one, the whole thing's a lie. The last one, the enemy doesn't touch us. Well, this doesn't mean we know that the enemy cannot touch us. It doesn't mean that he can't fool with us and deceive us and manipulate us and tempt us. It means that Satan cannot take us out of the Father's hand. All that Satan can do is, if you would, in a way, surface. He cannot touch our new heart which is guarded by the Holy Spirit in Christ. Can you say amen? He cannot touch damage, overcome. We cannot be recaptured. Remember, we have been what? Delivered out of the domain of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of God's dear son. In Colossians 1.13, we cannot be Re-incarcerated by Satan. We know that we belong to Lord Jesus now and forevermore. Therefore, what does Romans 8.37 say? Therefore, what? We are what? More than conquerors through the way I live. Through my obedience. Through my going to church and paying a tithe. Through my attending school of the word. But don't say no too quickly. Uh, (laughs) We are more than conquerors. What? Get it. Get it. What? Through him who loved us. And why did he love us? Because he loved us. But why did he love us? Because he loved us. The reason he loved us is because God is love. Amen. Let's be real secure. And these facts of the gospel. See you next time.